This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. Coming up this hour, we are scheduled to talk with Brian Kilmeade. I'm not sure if he's sore at me for missing his lunch yesterday, but he's such a nice guy. He probably will be good enough to come on regardless. We'll get into the news of the day with him, including this uh, so-called border bill. I I don't know his view on it, but uh, I, uh, you know, well, We'll save it. We'll save it for when Brian Kilmeade comes on. All right. Um, I don't really like getting into the transgender issue because people react to it so passionately. And I think they react out of proportion with how big of an issue it is. Also, my general philosophy of life is if it makes you happy, do it as long as you're not hurting anybody. So if you want to be a man, be a man. If you want to be a woman, be a woman. If you want to be an ostrich, be an ostrich. I don't care. Just don't bother me. Someone asked me recently, what is my definition of a perfect radio program director? I said that's the easiest question that I've ever gotten, is somebody that leaves me alone and doesn't bother me. That is my single definition of a great program director. But When it comes to the transgender issue, if you're an adult and you want to go from being a man to a woman, uh, have at it. You want to have surgeries, you want to take hormones, God bless you. The one area where I think, well, there's three areas that I've discussed before that I think my libertarian attitude or libertine attitude, libertarian, libertarian, I guess is a better use than libertine in this context does not apply. It's three areas. We've talked about them before. One, in prison. Two, in competitive sports. The third, I think, is with children. I read this really interesting piece in the New York Times a couple of days ago. Maybe some of you saw it. I'm going to link to it on my Facebook page because this is worth reading if if you haven't seen it. Uh, my Facebook page is... Uh, Facebook.com slash Morano fan. And I know whenever I link to an article from the Times, somebody always says, oh, I don't subscribe to the Times. I can't read it. I've explained before that if there's any website that has a paywall, just go to archive.ph and you can copy and paste the link into there. And it will, you know, it'll help you bypass the paywall. Anyway, really interesting article. Headline, as kids... They thought they were trans. They no longer do. I couldn't stop reading this. I actually read it twice, which, you know, when you're trying to go through the news as quickly as I do, is pretty rare. But it reports and illustrates with a number of actual examples that many children are undergoing these 
sex change medical interventions at a very early age, even though they are not, in fact, trans. Uh, now, someone I know, and I talked about this person at the time, it's a relative of a friend, kind of a deal. They decided that their, I, I think, six-year-old was now a boy. But uh, as far as I know, they didn't do any surgery or any sort of medical intervention, thank goodness. But in this article, it explains that this occurs because many young children are confused. And they may have mental or emotional problems that might lure them into thinking they might be trans. And both parents and therapists are being pressured to affirm a young person's assertion of gender identity and even provide medical treatment before or even without exploring the other possible sources of distress. That's a quote from the article. And the results of these often irreversible, life-altering medical interventions, which include drugs to inhibit puberty, administration of opposite-sex hormones, and even operations, they can be disastrous for a lot of people who wish that the decision that they now believe is a mistake to alter their sexual identity hadn't been rushed and been made without a lengthier, more extensive evaluation. You know, they did a study, they did a story on this on CBS Sunday morning, maybe about a year ago. My wife and I watched it, and it chronicled young people that were struggling with their gender and battling with things like depression. And it was clear the editorial bent in that story was towards allowing young people to change their sex and not doing one of these bans. After reading this New York Times piece, I am more fervent in the belief than ever that children should not be able to be surgically altered in terms of their gender. So, unfortunately, this problem is likely to be made worse by this new Olympic rule which bars those who have undergone any part of male puberty from competing as females in swimming events. I've talked about this with John Banzeff, who has won over 100 cases of illegal discrimination against women. And one overlooked problem that he's pointed out with this new Olympic rule, especially if it spreads more generally to other sports and to other venues, is that it provides a strong but very dangerous incentive for young boys to begin medical sex transitioning treatments at an age when in many cases their immaturity prevents them and their parents from making a really informed judgment about their true status as a possible trans. So just understand what what the new rule is. So if you've gone through any portion of male puberty, you can never compete as a woman in an Olympic swimming event. And what Banzaf is saying is this may lead to more nine-year-old boys that say they're a girl to having their parents do this procedure. Because you may have these immature boys believing that any of their emotional problems, any which everybody has, 
any of their mental problems that they're experiencing while growing up are going to be solved by becoming girls. Especially when the young child and his parents may have become convinced of the need for these pre-puberty life-altering treatments by doctors and other professionals who seem to have a strong bias and in some cases, by the way, a financial incentive in promoting these medical interventions. Or as the New York Times explains, they're pressured to affirm gender-altering care even in uncertain situations. So while many medical professionals and their organizations agree that transitioning children to the opposite sex might, you know, make sense in some situations. And this may even involve changes which are, you know, irreversible, such as when children are administered puberty-blocking drugs. Um, You have to also admit, whether you're a medical professional or just a regular person, that there are so many improper diagnoses of trans status among very young children, especially those who might suffer from mental or emotional problems. So read this New York Times article and uh, let me know what you think. But I'm of the view that transgender treatment for children should be prohibited, Um, uh, period. I don't think uh, you should be able to get chemically or surgically altered in terms of your gender if you're under the age of 18. And since there's no recognized test to be sure that a boy saying he is or wants to be a girl is, you know, a transgender child who would benefit from that early medical intervention at a young age, even those who support the so-called gender-reaffirming medical treatment for children, they're wary of having it begin prior to puberty or before the child has reached a, a certain level of maturity. Now, I'm sure... You know, you could, and I know we have transgender folks that listen to this show, and I'd love to hear from some of them as to their view on this. 800 848 9222. And I, I've seen different programs. Um, I think one was, you know, a person named Jazz who was in the person uh, in the uh, process of transitioning, and they were a teenager. And maybe, and I don't remember if she was going uh, for, or if they were going from female to male or male to female, but. I maybe it worked out well for them. I think as a general rule, by prohibiting this kind of treatment for children, it is a much safer thing for the vast majority of children. Because unfortunately, I think society, not only the medical profession, but schools, the media, television, we've become habituated to, you know, we're, we're so prone to not judge. We're so trained to not enforce our values on someone else, which, you know, is a good thing, that we'll stand by and let a child who's seven years old get butchered by their parents and a doctor. Because, heaven forbid, you not be seen as politically correct. So... I thought this was really interesting, and, um, you know, it's not the kind of journalism you often see in the Times these days. It was was an opinion piece. Uh, It was written by uh, Pamela Paul, uh, and I think it's definitely worth reading. Uh, Pamela Paul is uh, a terrific writer, and um, 
you know, she gets into a lot of these, a lot of these issues. Um, but it's definitely worth reading. And uh, that's how I came away with it. 800-848-9222. Uh, let me say hello to the original Rick in original Jersey. Hi. Yes. Good morning, Frank. Hold on a second. I'm getting the phone underneath my hat. Okay. I'm outside feeding the cats. By the way, they know your voice very well because as soon as they hear your voice on my radio, they come running for the food. Anyway, um, about the Lent thing, I, I, I think it's a bunch of nonsense, Frank. About the Lent thing? Yeah, giving things up for Lent. Um, if it, It's just another way for the Catholic Church to, you know, you can't be happy. You know I'm a recovering Catholic. If they really wanted to do something, they should have made Lent. You have to do something. You need to be kinder to your wife. You need to give money to the homeless guy in the corner. Something that's going to do something good. What is giving up pizza? Because you like pizza. Doing for anybody in the world. Well, it's, first of all, that's it doesn't say anything about giving up something. It says it about being a time of fasting and abstinence. And it's up to you to determine what that is. So that's why a lot of American Catholics especially take to uh, giving up something that they indulge in. There's no provision that says you have to give up something. It says that, you know, if you're between the age of 18 and 60, you're supposed to be fasting and abstaining. And, you know, you can go with the prescribed rules of what fasting is. You eat one full meal and that's it. Every day, and you know, maybe two other snacks that don't equal. Well, well, how does that help anybody, Frank? Because what does that do? It it teaches you sacrifice, and it teaches you um, with fasting. You bought into this, Frank. You bought it. It teaches you sacrifice. What do you got to learn sacrifice for? Why? Because um, Because. the fasting and abstinence for Catholics, and I think for other religions, it's very important because. It's, it's, you know, eating or having alcohol or whatever else, it's not necessarily sinful, but um, people are obliged, this is the Catholic teaching, by God to perform some penance for their sins. And the sacrifice is part of that penance. Uh, original sin. I mean, this is why I, I'm a recovering well, no, Catholic. What, no, original sin shows me you've been indoctrinated. Well, you original can't sin is washed away with baptism. Well, again. Uh, we're born into the world already a sinner. Isn't that uh, kind of like ridiculous? A, a little bit, a little bit. You know, again, uh, that's why I, uh, you know, I've I've garnered, gotten more towards the Episcopal way of uh, of right. doing things. But um, I still find a lot of value, even beyond the religious, to um, abstaining from something for uh, for forty days. I, I find it's a good test of will. I find it's, uh, you know, I find it's good for you mentally, psychologically as well. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to pray for you, Frank. I'm Thank gonna... you, Rick. I need all the help I can get. Believe me. Right. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Someone with a uh, 419 area code says of uh, doctors that will perform this transgender or gender-affirming surgery on a child, the doctors have no ethics doing it. You know, it's very easy to judge, you know, uh, when you're not in that situation. 
if you have a parent that's coming to you and their child has tried to kill themselves, God forbid, multiple times, and they insist that they're a, um, a boy trapped in a girl's body, and this is the one thing that's going to bring them solace and happiness, you know, maybe you feel that it's the right thing. I just think, uh, after reading all these examples of young people that thought they were trans and now don't believe they are, I think the safer thing to do is just uh, say, you can't do this until you're an adult. You can't have any surgical or chemical alteration of your gender until you're over the age of 18. You know, are some people going to suffer because of that? Maybe. But I still think the suffering that'll take place there is worth um, is is a much better situation than if you go too overboard the other direction. Let me know what you think. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Hey, I, I played for you that um, Joy Reid hot mic moment last week where Biden was talking and she you, she was caught on a hot mic saying, oh, yeah, you know, another effing war. And I, I, I actually, you know, it made me like Joy Reid a little bit more. Not that she uses the F word or behaves in, you know, an, an unprofessional manner. But, you know, I thought that it was an interesting view into how she genuinely feels about certain issues. So she was, um, you know, yes, yeah, she, she said she was heard saying, starting another effing war as she played clips from a speech that Biden gave in South Carolina. Well, yesterday, she addressed this on-air slip-up and explained exactly what she was thinking at the time. I am a person that, I'm a study war no more kind of Christian. I'm a red-letter Christian. I don't believe in war, whether it is the governor of Texas literally trying to start another civil war over an issue that his party could solve tomorrow. There's literally a bill that they just could pass, right, and and do the border security issue. Or whether it's in the Middle East, I was deeply against the Iraq war. I was against, I'm I'm an anti-war person. And so, you know, I don't want to say that there's any side that is specifically to blame here. But I think the idea, I think for most Americans, we're war weary. I think we're all weary of conflict, and we would like to see us progress economically, socially, try to bring this country back from the brink of racial hatred. Let's not do war at all. Yeah. Let's not kill people. Now, here's what I think was interesting about that, is she didn't talk about the war that Biden was actually commenting about, which was the Israel-Gaza war, because that's... Biden's war, right? She goes out of her way to talk about the governor of Texas, the Iraq war. What happened to the last guy on MSNBC that was critical of the Israel-Gaza war? Mehdi Hassan. He was he was he was canceled. He, his show was canceled and then he was either fired or he quit. I mean, I think he was fired, although they gave him one of those things where he says he decided to leave. She doesn't want to end up like Mehdi Hassan. Because think about it, when she was caught in that hot mic moment, she was criticizing Biden ramping up or supporting Israel and and Gaza. And yet, when she explains it, there's no explanation of that. There's no explanation of why she thinks that's a poor policy. 
There's, oh, I was opposed to the Iraq War. I'm a war no more kind of Christian. I'm opposed to the civil war the governor of Texas is trying to start. She didn't comment on the war that led to her hot mic moment. And I think it's because she saw what happened to her colleague, Betty Hassan. I thought that was very interesting. I thought her hot mic moment was very honest. And I thought the explanation of her hot mic moment was incredibly uh, weak. Because, you know, she feels that she's got to toe a certain party line or face the consequences that Mehdi Hassan faced. So it, I thought that was interesting. All right. 800-848-9222. Um, we will talk to both Noam Layden and Brian Kilmeade in just a bit and get their take on the on world affairs. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is uh, Bruce Springsteen singing Jersey Girl. I was um, at one Bruce Springsteen concert, and he sang this song. And apparently, I didn't know this with Springsteen fans, they all follow what songs he sings at every concert. They, and apparently, it's a big difference in what he sings in this venue and what he sings at that venue. So my friend uh, Booty, she texted me, Oh, wow, you're so lucky. You got Jersey Girl. I didn't know how lucky I was, but apparently I was lucky. So there you have it. All right, uh, I'm always lucky whenever I get to see Noam Layden. Stand by for the other side of Midnight's News. From New York City, the other side of Midnight and its affiliated stations present national and international news with Frank Morano and news director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of the story. And good morning, Noam. Good morning, Frank. I never want to leave you hanging on a story that does not have a definitive ending. So I can give you an update to a person who's become, I guess I can even call her friendly towards me. Her name is Michelle Klein. Michelle Klein is the woman that sent her kids to Liberty Christian Preparatory School in Tavares, Florida. She is an OnlyFan model. OnlyFan is this website, if you're not familiar with it, where you can pay for all kinds of things. One of A lot of it is X-rated material. In her case, it is. Or uh, pictures of her doing, well, all kinds of things, and people pay to, you know, Look at this website. So she had put a decal on the back of her car advertising her OnlyFans website. And after a while, the school noticed when she pulled up to drop her kids off at school, they didn't like that. They thought this was uh, giving the wrong impression to this kids, these kids at this Christian school. And so they warned her. They said, listen, 
as long as you have that decal on the back of your car, you can't pull up and drop off your kids. So I said, okay. So now she started dropping off her kids from across the street, parking her car, busy street, crossing. The school uh, now has taken it a step further because the other parents at the school, including some other social media influencers there, which is sort of interesting, who say, no, this is not the kind of person we want to have at our school. And they started making a fuss. And she pushed back a little bit. She made the decal on the back of her car just a little bit larger. She still parked across the street. But Liberty Christian has now told her, she emailed me yesterday, now it's two days ago, to say that Liberty Christian has kicked her kids out of the school. Oh, no. Yeah. That doesn't seem fair to the kids. Uh, it doesn't. They're paying their tuition and everything? Well, she says, yeah, she had no problem paying tuition because of this OnlyFans website that she runs. Now, it is X-rated, so it does not fit in with the thoughts and feelings of what is a conservative Christian school. But she says she was making about is making about $20,000. And thanks to all the publicity, actually, she, she says over the last couple of months, she's made even more than oh, that. Oh, I'm sure. So she's easily paid the tuition to send her kids to the school. She says her kids love this school. So... If she did, you know, the argument here is she easily could have solved this problem by taking the decal off the back of her car, not fighting back against the school, and maybe there wouldn't have been a fuss. Uh, The other side of the story is, well, the kids didn't do anything wrong, but now uh, she's shopping for a new school for her kids. They've been kicked out. Now, at this point, if she were to agree to take the decal off of her car, could the kids go back to school? You asked an excellent question, and the school has said to her, we're open to renegotiating having your kids come back to the school. Okay, maybe. So that seems like a no-brainer. At least as somebody who's a parent, I would rip that decal off right away and put my kids back in class. But so far... Uh, she tells me, no, her kids are in public school, at least for a little oh, while, until she figures children. out <laughs> poor children. until they figure out where to go. So. Now, did you say the last time we talked about the story that you went to a Christian school? I did. Even though you're Jewish? I did. I went well, to a pretty conservative one like this one, actually. Why did your parents send you to a conservative uh, Christian school? I grew up in Trenton, and uh, Trenton, if you're not familiar, is the capital city of New Jersey, and the God-awful place. I mean, I loved growing up there, but um, it is not a place you want to put your kids into public schools, even today. And I know I'm going to get beat up for this later this morning, but I can handle that. And so my parents, you know, sent me to private school. And the private schools in that area were all, you know, either Catholic, Christian-based schools. So there was no private Jewish school you could have gone to as The closest one was Philadelphia. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I was, or maybe there was one closer, but no, they didn't send me one. In researching this story, Mm -hmm. Noam, have you gotten to look at any of the OnlyFans photos that Michelle Klein has posted? Yeah, she sent me a link where I could actually look at it for free. I didn't have to pay for it. really? Yeah. Ah. So I did a quick, you know, journalistic view Naturally. of the pictures and then got right back out, right. you know. Well, in case this story uh, comes up again, I may need access to that link I can as share well. that with you. I yes. don't know if it still works, well, but I will uh, I, mean, I will just for the sake of fair and objective reporting. Yeah, and journalistic <laughs> integrity. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, give us one more. Note. Sure. Uh, the um, There is a carousel company in Wichita, uh, Kansas. This is the company that makes all of those carousels with the animals that your kid, I'm sure, and lots of kids love riding on. Well, PETA has now specifically asked them to stop making animal carousels. They say it says the wrong message to kids about what animal and kid uh, human relationship should be like. And the carousel company has actually responded to this. They they sent this letter out today's Thursday. So they sent this letter out on Tuesday saying, Hey, could you think about doing something else? Maybe make the carousel all cars and trucks and motorcycles, which you've seen before. 
and because they say the messaging is terrible, that there's a domination when kids get on top of these uh, animal-like carousels and they get the wrong message. Carousel company uh, pushing back saying, for right now, we're going to continue to manufacture that. Um, But PETA has been successful, by the way, in this vein before. So if you think this is ridiculous, and you might be right thinking that, PETA, by the way, is... Uh, people, people for, for the, the ethical, ethical treatment, treatment of animals. I should point that out. N- they got Nabisco to replace the design of those caged animals on their Barnum animals crackers. Have you looked at those little boxes with the strings? I, I did. They're no longer behind cages anymore. <laughs> so, And that was PETA that did that. Uh, Trader Joe's changed the packaging on several products to remove images of elephants performing on one of their packages. That was all PETA. So we laugh at them. Uh, another one, the Ducal Corporation stopped selling uh, their Band-Aids that had pictures of circus animals on them because they said that circus animals were tortured and they agreed to do that. So they have been successful in the past. Don't know they'll be that that way with this carousel company out of Wichita, Kansas. We will see what happens. Thank you, Gnome. And now you know the rest of the story. All right. Yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, history was made. History was made for the first time. I turned down the opportunity for a free lunch. I didn't want to do it, but my responsibilities as a parent conflicted with my perpetual mission to seek out new forms of free lunch. I hated to miss it because uh, the last uh, the last one of these was just absolutely stellar. Not only was the food great, but the company was was very impressive and uh, the person who tendered that invitation was apparently not so offended that he would not return to this program i'm very pleased to welcome back brian kilmeade new york times best-selling author co-host of fox and friends and a nationally syndicated radio talk show host i uh, did hate to miss that brian sincerely right i know but you know i told you go on craigslist try to find a babysitter i know it was last minute but sometimes you it's good for your kids to meet strangers Yes. Uh, and you could have went to the lunch, uh, and you just didn't want to shell out the money for some type of child care. I would have um, made that, whatever I spent on child care, back in the <laughs> two or three drinks that I would have had at that establishment. That's I, true. I hope, it would have, I hope it went well, though. I went great. No one was really drinking. Unfortunately, evidently, people had to be productive in the afternoon. <laughs> I've never even heard this uh, for morning show people. We don't even know what that's like. Uh, but, yeah, so it was, we had a good time. It was good to see the whole lineup there. We missed you and Curtis Slewa, but hopefully we'll have them back uh, in future years. Reader was able to come. The great Sid Rosenberg was also able to attend. The Cassie Matides uh, were both uh, kind enough to show up uh, to Bobby Vans, which is a fantastic place. I'm totally pros. I'm not. I'm not used to this type of professional um, uh, service. <laughs> All right. Well, next year, you know, count me in. I'm uh, getting a babysitter on retainer early. Uh, Brian, let right. me begin by asking you about this uh, the, the so-called border bill, which went down to defeat in the U.S. Senate. Uh, the people on both sides of the aisle have a problem with it. A lot of the so-called centrists in both parties seem to say, how dare you not pass this? Where do you come down on the border bill, and what do you see as the prospects for some sort of border security improvement at this point? Not until the election. Uh, and, and who knows, you know, the, the thing that I, I, I laughed out loud when Joe Biden said, you know, I, I was going to fix the border, but now it's all on the Republicans. I mean, that's, that's I just don't think the American people are that dumb. Uh, they could point to all the... Uh, the 
executive orders that he put together that watched his whole border fall apart from Title 42 on down. He let it dissipate, replaced it with nothing, didn't do the third party, got rid of the remain in Mexico, stopped building the wall, told, uh, told you come, you come, he said that uh, before he got elected, if you want asylum, you'll get asylum. And he got a million people between October and February, a million people. That is uh, illegals that we know of encounters. That's a new all-time record. And to think that this proposal put together Sunday, uh, if if we don't, if that was in past, then it's Donald Trump's fault. So that's ridiculous. But there are some things that that got the attention of the Border Patrol Union president that is voting for Trump, and will says I'll always vote for Trump. He says that Biden broke the border, but there were things in there that they really liked. However. Uh, in the end, I asked this question. Republicans, when you said, give me border reform and uh, if you want foreign aid, they actually did it. Right. They gave you border reform. So did anyone think about what if you didn't like what that reform was? What are you going to do about the aid? Uh, most of which are for Israel. I think the majority uh, barely are with Ukraine. But in some in some sectors... They don't want to uh, pay. Nobody wants to pay for Ukraine, wants to let Russia win. I don't know uh, who that would benefit. So now they're going to vote on just pure aid, which is where we were at in November, just like in the House. What were you guys thinking? If you don't have the votes, why did you put up for a vote on impeachment? Well, so let's why talk about just wait that, for Steve right? Scalise. So it's been uh, this has been the pundits for whatever it's worth. They have termed this a very bad week for the D.C. Republicans. Mm-hmm. Not only did uh, the bill that McConnell negotiated in the Senate fail, um, but uh, the Mayorkas impeachment failed in the House, and so did uh, the Speaker Mike Johnson clean aid for Israel bill. Do you go along with that conventional wisdom that this was a bad week for congressional Republicans? If Kevin McCarthy is still Speaker... They'd be much more organized. He's got a real sense of foreign relations. He would have been working to a degree behind the scenes with President Trump. He gets Trump uh, and, and would have said, OK, this is what's possible. We're going to hold off on impeachment. We, and we, we wouldn't have known why. Well, it just it's not a good week. We've got a lot going on. We just And next thing you know, he'd wait for Scalise to come back from his cancer treatment next week. And, and he would have put it up. OK. But instead, we think we have the votes. OK. Ah, we don't have the votes. All right, well, let's do it again. Democracy's messy. Uh, I mean, this is the same at the same period when the House is trying to show that under a Republican leadership they can get something done. I mean, you need experience, and we're, we're seeing that over and over again. I mean, this is Matt Gates. Matt Gates gave Johnson the speakership. He didn't really aspire to get it. He's not a master. He he is not a maestro when it comes to wrangling up votes on anything. He just came out and said, "I hate this bill." Didn't even play the game. Didn't even say, hey, I just got read into the bill. I read 200 pages and it looks terrible. I can't go for it. Said he goes, it is dead on arrival. Have you read it? No, I haven't read it. They didn't brief me. Well, what is dead on arrival? I mean, at least play the game. The, the this is our first week uh, airing on uh, on K Dawn. We're joining you on there, and uh, right. they they said you're the guy to ask about how to you know have a successful show on K Dawn in uh, Las Vegas, which we're excited about. But Nevada's also making quite a bit of news this week. You had President Biden there this week. You had the uh, you have the caucus today, which Trump is expected to win handily. Robert F Kennedy Jr. was there this week. You have the Super Bowl there on Sunday, which I'm going to ask you about in a minute. But uh, this week they also had this primary, which doesn't really count for delegates, but Nikki Haley 
lost to none of these candidates. She lost in New Hampshire. She yeah. lost in Iowa. Yeah. She's polling very poorly in her home state of South Carolina. My question for you is, how long can she continue to hang on if she keeps losing everywhere? Well, I think she's looking at these court cases and trying to see if he gets kicked off the ballot today in in Colorado. Uh, Wants to see if some trial is going to start in the spring. So I cannot see her getting uh, thrashed by 20, 30 points in South Carolina, her home state, and then waiting for Super Tuesday. And you're right. Uh, in, in Nevada, they were nowhere. I just can't believe it. You know why? Not so much the caucus and primary and who's got what and Donald Trump locked it up, whatever that is. If you want to be president, you need Nevada. And, and Trump lost it by one point. So go out there. Go compete in there. See if you can set up a ground game. And then that's one of your arguments. Guys, you know, I'm not as popular as Donald Trump right now, but I'm competing everywhere. And I got my team and I got my money. So it's not a wasted vote. But instead, she goes, I didn't even, she didn't go. The last time she went to Nevada, I think, was October. So, and and that's, not, you know, if she says, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to go to New York. You know, I'm not going to win. That's not going to be in the general. And uh, Donald Trump will, will beat me in New York. Okay. But Nevada is a battleground state. There's no downside to showing up and, and seeing some party heads and see if somebody was moving off Trump. But right now, I find it hard to believe that she could last past South Carolina. And I was talking to some people yesterday, and they said, Maybe she doesn't go to South Carolina. Oh, really? Maybe she pulls pulls up stakes first. Interesting. Hey, uh, so it's interesting what you mentioned about the political implications of all these uh, Trump trials, more than I can keep track of at this point. Is that what you think the Haley strategy is now? Try to rack up as many delegates as possible so that if uh, Trump's not able to be the nominee because of some sort of external event, that she is then positioned to get the nomination by sheer math? Yeah, I mean, if things were to come out, uh, you know, those polls, let's say Trump gets convicted somewhere and and he does drop 15 points. And I don't see either one of those things happening. But let's say he does. In New York, it's supposed to come up in, what are they talking about, May? Uh, This ridiculous case. But for some reason, if Brad convicts and they do a poll and Trump is suddenly down 15 points, Haley says, I'm beating Biden head to head, guys. This is the moment. So that's, I think, what, it's the only reason I think she's in, because she's not making herself better, in my humble opinion, for 2028, because she's taking Democratic arguments to Trump. They're talking about he's being too old and he's losing it. His time has passed and he only you know, talks about himself. And I'm thinking to myself, is this a Biden speech? So that, that's not the way a Republican attacks a Republican. So that, I, fi- I found that she's, heated. she's getting more personal now that the end is near than she did in the beginning. And I'm wondering who told her because you need, if you want to have a future in 2028, you cannot do it without Trump supporters. So why why get them angry now? Super Bowl uh, Sunday in Nevada, one of the semi-annual traditions is having the president do an interview before the game on the network that hosts it. Now, I could understand, honestly, if if Joe Biden uh, didn't want to do an interview with uh, Fox News because he views this as just a right-wing entity. I don't think anybody could make that case for CBS News. But you know Barack Obama did, right? Well, yeah, and so did Hillary Clinton, even though she wasn't president, right? But um, given... Give me your view on Biden's decision to skip this Super Bowl interview. It's the dumbest thing ever. Dumbest thing ever. Just, but, it, but it plays into the fact is it's almost like looking at a report and, 
And if, you, if you're not playing in the Super Bowl Sunday, you're really injured. Don't tell me you're doubtful. You're really injured because everything's on the line. If you're not playing in this game uh, with all the upside uh, and making history, you're really injured. And if you turn down this interview, which gives you 20 to 30, 40, 50 million, and it'll play highlights throughout the weekend and on the shows all week. If you don't do this interview, and I know she'll get a couple of tough questions from CBS. So I'm not saying it'll be the, the hardest, but it won't be a layup. But if you can't do this interview, you can't be president. Right. Because if there's no downside to doing this interview unless you're going on with vintage Mike Wallace, 1977. You know, and and you got to sit down, and he's going to make that camera crooked, and not not even show your hairline, just your forehead. It's going to be ultra close, and they're going to bring up your 1977 Syracuse law school scandal. If if it's one of those things, say, okay, Mr. President, I don't think it's worth it. But this is going to be a couple of tough questions, a chance to assure the world that you got them, you got you're in control, got the Middle East understood, understandable. Look at the economy, whatever you want to say. Bidenomics works. It's a it's a press release. Why would he turn this down? And, and Frank, if that means he's probably not doing another interview up until Election Day. And that means it's more than likely he's not going to debate and he's going to make up a, an excuse that Donald Trump is, um, is an insurrectionist. And I, I don't want to give him – I don't want to legitimate – so he'll make up something. So I don't see how he can get the job. I mean, we're going to play – I'm sure you're playing these montages. Do you realize what a bad two weeks he's had? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, no doubt about it. Uh, it and I, I think it's a – Huge mistake on his part. I think if um, I think it only reinforces the reservations people have about his ability to do the job. I I, I see this as lose lose. <laughs> um, lastly, Brian, what about the game itself? Who who are you pulling for on Sunday, if anybody? Uh, I think. Well, I'm, I'm not pulling, but I, I I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to win. I, I just see. I think they're they're. Uh, their team can make the adjustments, I think, even better than Kansas City. I think their team is more talented. I, and, and my belief is Kansas City is the most beatable, great team that I've seen. This isn't one of their best teams. They prepare well. They know the big game. But I, I do think that San Francisco is built to win now. San Francisco's got a problem with the Ravens. They got crushed by the Ravens. I think that they'll match up well with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. It's going to be real interesting. Uh, Brian, I'm buying lunch next time. I'll coordinate calendars right. with you. That'll be fun. And well, keep in mind, K-Dawn listeners, I'll be in Henderson, Nevada, April 27th on stage. Uh, it'll be fun. History, liberty, and laughs. Uh, by the way, on people, stage. people can go to briankilmead.com and uh, see uh, a lot of the upcoming appearances you're doing. Oh, and you can also get a copy of uh, Teddy and uh, Booker T, which is a terrific book. And uh, you can actually get a signed version as well. Brian, always a treat. Thank you. All right. Go get him, Frank. Thank you. Uh, 15 seconds of fame in a moment. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is the other side of midnight. 
the Andy B version of this particular song. Hey, uh, a couple of days ago, we had on uh, Oscar Goodman, the former mayor of Las Vegas, whose wife is currently the, the mayor. And obviously, there's a lot of excitement with the Super Bowl going on on uh, Sunday. But, you know, really, Vegas has risen tremendously as a big sports city. And Oscar Goodman was somewhat surprised, not entirely, when he said he didn't like where they're putting the new athletic stadium in Las Vegas because they're tearing down the historic Tropicana Hotel. And, well, this is what Oscar said. Uh, the one thing I don't like is I'm, I'm not a big uh, A's fan uh, for a lot of different reasons, one of which, they, in my opinion, they picked the wrong site. There was a site that the city was uh, more than happy to uh, negotiate with them and give it to them for next to nothing. And instead of opposing uh, liability on taxpayers, they chose to go out on the strip and they could have had a great real estate play here, but uh, nobody even wanted to talk. There's no vision. That's the problem, Frank. His wife, the current mayor, the next day after that interview has made headlines as saying she believes almost the same thing, although she went further, that the team's plans at the Tropicana site don't make sense and even more than that, the team ought to stay in Oakland. Here's Las Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman. I personally think they've got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland to make their dream come true. That is pretty interesting. She says that the plans don't make sense at the Tropicana site and they should stay in Oakland. That is wild. I suspect that both of them, Oscar and Carolyn, would have preferred that the stadium be downtown in old Las Vegas, rather than on the Vegas Strip, which is technically not even Vegas. It's technically Paradise, Nevada. So um, a lot of people have been asking me about that. I, I think that's certainly interesting. All right, uh, tomorrow, hopefully I'll have this frog out of my throat. We'll do a little Ask Frank Anything, and uh, we'll talk with someone. Uh, I'm hoping to get a former football player that actually competed in a Super Bowl. He's not confirmed yet, but I'm working on that. So we'll we'll stay tuned for that. And then uh, hopefully we'll find a, a way to get the Stevie G version of the Other Side of Midnight song back in uh, the rotation. I'll negotiate with him to see if we can't get the rights. Meantime, this is your opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds on any subject you like. Uh, just call 800-848-9222 as we embark upon... Other side of midnight. This is 15 seconds of fame. Lisa. Lisa. Hey. Um, so I think me and Rachel should team up and do a journalistic report. I have some free links for her, too. <laughs> Mike. Morning, Frank. I was once a male trapped in a woman's body. Then I saw the light. My mother finally let me out after nine long months. The first thing she told me. Be home before the streetlights come on. Jerry. Russian hoax. Ukraine hoax. Election interference. Bad 2020 election. Are Republicans willing to out-cheat them in 2024? That's the only question. Neil. The New York City municipal workers have a lot of nerve wanting to be exempt from congestive pricing while us peons have to pay. Billy. Let's go, Curtis. Rusty. Yeah, tell that Yenta Marie. Got to think she got to go to a hospital, or she gets hit by a moped, and the illegal aliens did it. What's she gonna say now? She lives in a bubble. 
You know, I really wish uh, callers would avoid picking on one another. I mean, it, I find it so unfair when a caller's not there to defend themselves to take a shot at a caller who's not there. Why, why do that? I mean, I'm here. Save all your slings and arrows for me. Mike. Yes, let's take care of 2024, not 2028. Let's bring in Alan West as president. Robert. Every communist revolution was started from within the target country. Violence. Mass unrest. They killed everyone who opposed them. That they could. Ow! Hey, Frank, another great show. You got the best show in the whole country. Uh, the secret with Buckley's is menthol. So try also if you could do some mouthwash. Try that for for a couple of minutes. Might help you a bit. I Take will care. work Go on better. it, Al. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I got some cough drops here, and uh, I'm sure it'll be just fine. All right, that about slams the lid on things for today. Tomorrow we have Ask Frank Anything. Hopefully you'll come armed with some good questions. I'll try to come up with a, a fun prize for you if you do come up with the best question. And then uh, we're also going to be talking with a writer who just wrote an interesting book um, called... Uh, City on Mars, and it explores some of these plans to colonize Mars and examines whether or not that's practical to actually go forward with humans living on Mars, not talking about tomorrow, but in the um, in the distant future. You know, my Uncle John just sent me an SMS text message reminding me that I'm supposed to be in Disney World for my father's milestone birthday during the period of Lent. And that could actually really be a quite a test of my abstention from alcohol in that time. Perhaps I should think about something else to give up. But, hey, what's a sacrifice if it's not difficult? All right. Um, back tomorrow, God willing, hopefully with my voice back at 100%. Frank Moreno, good day. Good day.